And so this morning, the Holy Spirit has directed my attention for the word to this chapter number seven, number eight, pardon me, of Romans, Romans eight and verse number 13, also verse number 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, meaning the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters of God. Would you read it out loud for me since it's on the screen with me, I should say. On the count of three, everybody out loud. One, two, three. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Are you part of His family? Amen. Could you stretch your hands in my direction? I I really would appreciate everybody that could pray for me now. And for us, oh, rise, Spirit of God, in us. I don't want to battle Satan in the pulpit. I don't have to, God. You've already battled him. I don't want to battle him in my mind. And I don't want to preach about my ego. Father, I I want to just say, as John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. But, Lord, I need your energy and your anointing and your double portion. Amen, church. I need fresh fire to preach the word. And so I ask you, God, to do that for all of us, not only to be a preacher, but a hearer. God, I know these people can read this for themselves, but you have ordered our attention to this passage today. I pray, oh God, that all of us would not just be refreshed, but where we need transformation, you would do it. Satan, I resist you through the name of Jesus and his shed blood. That no one would have stolen from them what God has prepared. Let fruit remain from this word in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for being seated. I have uh, quite a bit here on this thought of, oh Lord, send the power just now. I I have more to present than I have the time to present. And that's good because I don't want to be eternal in preaching. I want to be eternal in heaven. But I also feel an in, inadequate in the sense of how to present it. Because I'm going to share some things some of you already know. And yet the Holy Spirit says, say it again. And then I'm going to share some things that some of you may not know. And I feel like, uh, you know, the government has now this cash for clunkers. Huh? Where you can trade in your clunker and get a better vehicle. And they'll give you some cash to do it. Well, sometimes as a vessel of the Lord, I feel like a clunker. Being given treasures that I need to transport to the people of God. But I've also reminded that God sometimes will use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And he'll use this, oh, I feel a hallelujah coming on. He'll use these earthen vessels. And so I want to be used of him. My task this morning is to convince you to receive all the power of God that he has made available to you. The devil's task is to keep you after you're saved from all the power of God that he's made available to you. I told you last Sunday, I'm just going to highlight because sometimes in my review I take more time than I should, but let me highlight. 
Last Sunday I told you that after salvation there is an additional power that comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I told you last Sunday that when you are born again, you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because as some of you already know, nobody gets saved unless the Holy Spirit deals with their heart and mind and convicts them of their need for Jesus. Can I get an amen? So it's the Holy Spirit when you hear a gospel song that moves your heart to come to Christ. And for some of you, that's how it happened. For some of you, you heard a sermon and the Holy Spirit said, that's you. You're running out of time. I love you. Come to me. And you did. For some of you, uh, somebody shared a testimony with you at your job or in the break room in a carpool. Uh, Somebody uh, shared with you in a divine moment of how God transformed their life and their marriage and their situation through Christ. And you said, I want Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And when you're born again, you have what is called the indwelling. The old sinful nature is taken out by faith through the work of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit moves in you and you now become the dwelling place, the tabernacle of God. But that's not all the Holy Spirit you get. Because if that was the case, Jesus would have never said to his disciples prior to his ascension, Luke 24 and 49. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Jesus was speaking to people already saved, his own disciples. And he said... I'm going away, but I am going to give you power just as if I was right here with you. If that wasn't the case that there would be more power beyond salvation, why would Jesus say in Acts 1 and 8? And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. And he enumerated places, which meant the whole world. And Jesus specifically said, go to Jerusalem, wait there, and intercede and pray, and I'll send you the promise that you, for the Holy Spirit, baptism. When you get saved, you have the indwelling, but there's another experience called baptism. To be immersed in. The word baptism comes from the, the, the word baptizo, which means to be, to be dipped in, emerged in, covered over with. My Lord, I want to be dipped, emerged, and covered over the Spirit of God in me. If, if there wasn't an experience beyond salvation called baptism, why would John the Baptist say in John Matthew 3 and 11, and I quoted it last Sunday, but as a reminder, John the Baptist, the predecessor, the forerunner of Jesus said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Water baptism, affirming your salvation. I baptize you in water unto repentance. But there is coming one mightier than I, meaning Jesus, whose sandals, he is so holy as sandals, I'm not even worthy to lace up. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I don't need any more convincing of that. If the Bible says there's an experience beyond the indwelling and salvation for me, I I need it. 
Paul says in his writing, Be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I have come to understand and learn that after you're saved, you are going to face some temptations and attacks from Satan in order to discourage you. Yeah. You know what Satan wants to do? He wants to make you a miserable Christian. He wants to deliver, he, want, he will let you, if he could, be delivered from the misery of the old life temporarily. But it won't be long after you save and that some of that joy begins to fade out, that he'll like to invite you back into the old life and more misery. Can you help me preach here, somebody? And, and see, what the devil's job is, is to try to make your walk with God mundane, mediocre, miserable, and I want to tell you something. There's probably no, nothing worse than a miserable Christian. You know them. You've seen them. You've seen them on aisle 10 at Walmart. That's why you ended up in aisle 13, because you didn't want to meet them. You know about miserable Christians. Always got a doom and gloom testimony, if you can call it that. Miserable Christians. You see them on your caller ID, and you thought, I don't want to deal with this now. I ain't going to answer that. And then they leave you the longest message that your recorder will allow. Miserable Christians. Help me preach here, somebody. Miserable, grouchy, complaining, always got somebody done me wrong song. Don't like the songs at the church. Don't like the way the preacher combs his hair. Don't like the choir leader. Don't like this. There's always something to complain about. That is not what God called us into. Amen? I know we'll have some bad days and some bad times, but the Bible says that the Spirit of God is life, and where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. Somebody give the Lord some praise. I mean, if we were trying to run an ad campaign for winning people to the Lord, I wouldn't want to use some Christians. Now, I understand that after you get saved, you all know that you don't, after you get saved, receive immediately an immortal, incorruptible body. You're still housed in flesh. And so there's an ongoing battle after you get saved that Paul calls the battle between the spirit and the flesh. And the apostle Paul says about his own testimony, that as a mighty, mighty as a man of God as he was, full of the spirit, and if you know anything about Paul, you know he was spirit-filled and spirit-led. Can I get an Amen. You know about his life. You know he was converted from Judaism and, and, and instead of persecuting the Christians and killing a few, he started now to loving them and preaching the gospel. This, this Apostle Paul, you know he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know that God used him as a missionary to the Gentiles. You know that he was stoned with rocks and stones for preaching the gospel, beaten, thrown in prison, but he'd always rise up again. Can I get an amen? You know that most of the uh, letters in the New Testament, most of the books in the New Testament that we know as the epistles are credited to the authorship of Paul, so you know he's a mighty man of God. But even Paul says, there are times in my journey with the Lord and trying to live the victorious life where I face the conflict of my flesh that I live in and the Spirit of God that lives in me. Let me help you understand. You can just turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 7 because here you'll discover some of that, that very details about what he encounters. But I'll put it on the screen. Romans 7.15 says, Paul speaking, For what am I doing? I, I do not understand. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that's what I do. 
And that's the King James and the New King James, but here's how it boils down. What's going on in my life? I don't understand. I want to do what is right. I have the will to do it. But I don't practice it. The things I hate that takes away from my testimony, I find at times I give in to and do because of my flesh. And he says more. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. I mean, no, that there ain't no righteousness in us of ourselves, only God. Yeah. For to will is present with me. I have the will to read my Bible, to pray, to go to church, to speak right, live right, and, and be positive in my walk with God. The will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. And then he goes on, for the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, I practice. I know I shouldn't be looking at this movie because it's too much filthy language and nudity. I shouldn't do this. But maybe you'll pass in the next two or three minutes. And No, but if we stay at it, it creates pictures in our minds. It doesn't pass in the next two or three minutes. We already, I know I shouldn't get angry and let outbursts of anger come against my wife and children and be intimidating. I know that. I want to do it, but I... I can't seem to, to overcome it. I know I shouldn't go back to this, this addiction or this habit. I know I, should, I know I shouldn't be so hard to deal with. I know I should be more honorable to my parents, more respectful to my boss, more grateful to God for His blessings. I, I, I know some of these things. I, I know I, I, I let doubt and fear come in and I know better than that. I want to have faith, but I can't seem to practice it. And he goes on. I find in a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. And, and, and here in verse 24, he surmises sometimes his predicament. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Have you ever tried so hard to overcome temptation and the works of the flesh in your life until the devil tells you there is no hope and you are wretched? I've done that. I'm not giving anybody a license to sin, but... Boy, you thought you had this lit. And it showed up again. Oh, wretched husband that I am. Wretched wife that, that you feel like sometimes. Oh, wretched student or son or daughter, whatever hats you wear. I guess I'm never going to overcome this work of the flesh. So I might as well give in and give up and go back to it. And that is wrong. The devil wins. Paul says in verse 25, I didn't put it on the screen, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God that He will deliver me from this body of death and from the works of the flesh through the power of Jesus Christ who lives in me. Put your hands together and thank God with me. We all face the battle. There's more about this battle. Look, if you will. Paul says in Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's the battle. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to another, so that you do not do the things that you wish, or that you should. The battle is on, and Satan is trying his best to cause us to live the defeated life. How are we going to win? Through the power of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Yes. 
You see, you understand that the disciples faced the dilemma of Jesus departing, John 14 and 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I go to prepare a place for you. They were perplexed because Jesus indicated that he's leaving them. His bodily presence is leaving in a few days. And they wondered, well, how in the world are we going to get along and overcome and succeed? Because when Jesus was here, we couldn't feed the thousands and he had to prepare a meal. Can I get an amen? amen. Five loaves, two fishes. I mean, how are we disciples going to get along and carry on this ministry until Jesus comes back? Because when a father came to us with a son very diseased and sick and demon possessed, we couldn't do the work and Jesus had to do it. Can I get an amen? How are we going to get along? Because when we were sailing on the Sea of Galilee and a storm came up, we were so threatened and fearful of our lives, we couldn't calm the waves of the sea. We had to wake Jesus up. How are we going to get along? And Jesus made them a promise that he makes to you and I. He says, I will go away, but I will not leave you comfortless, John 14. I will pray to my Father that he will send you another comforter who is the Holy Spirit. And he shall be with you and shall be in you. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus is saying to them, look, I, I know you're going to face more storms and you might face more hunger and you might face more adversity. But the spirit that is coming after me is equal to me and greater works than I have done. You will do because I go to the father and he will send the Holy Ghost. Well, wouldn't it be great to have Jesus riding your car with you when you face traffic on 285, 75 and 85? So you could say, Mr. Jesus, help me out here. Helicopter me. Wouldn't you like to have Jesus with you, bodily presence, when you and your spouse is facing a tense moment of conflict and you know, you know that the heat is, is ratcheting up and you, you're saying something and she's saying something and wouldn't you like to have Jesus kind of sit beside you and say, zip it? Wouldn't you like to have Jesus sitting beside you when, when, when you look at your bills at the end of the month and you look at your income and your checkbook and, and, and you realize the creditors are going to be calling? And Wouldn't you like to have him sitting right beside you to help you to work that out in his bodily presence? Because life is tough. Well, I'm saying to you that that's what the Holy Spirit does. He will ride with you around 285, 75, and 85 and give you peace in the traffic. The Holy Spirit will help you in marital turmoil and help you to control your flesh and be loving and kind because He's concerned about every area of our lives. As I study this thing of the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand that when He came on the day of Pentecost... It wasn't his first appearance on the earth. And indulge me if you already know this, but if you already know it, just receive it as good food. Yeah. You understand in Acts 2, and I said something about it last week, that the Holy Spirit did come. As Jesus promised. Can somebody say amen? You understand that on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, 1 and following, they, they were in the upper room that we now know in the city of Jerusalem. Or we've identified that it was in Jerusalem and 120 of the disciples were there. They were praying and 10 days had gone by since Jesus left. And on the 10th day, the Bible said the Holy Spirit came. And He came in the form of a mighty rushing wind. 
fill the house. And eyes begin to widen and gaze begin to look up. But that wasn't all the Holy Spirit came in. The Bible says, and then he also came with tongues of fire. Little flames above their head, a few inches little flames. Which indicated the fire and the purity of the Holy Ghost. Come Holy Ghost. And then the Bible says he also came in the form of a language. When everybody in that room began to speak with other tongues. Meaning another language that was not their native tongue. They spoke in languages that onlookers began to comment and say, They don't know my language. They didn't come from the part of Asia I came from. But it was the Holy Spirit in wind and fire and tongues coming as Jesus promised. Now you need to be here next Sunday because I'm going to answer the question, Is tongues for today? Next Sunday, I want to talk about this thing of tongues and people who speak in tongues and what takes place and is it for today. But I just highlight to tell you that the Spirit did come. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit has been alive in this world since creation. He just manifested himself in a different way upon Jesus' departure. Let me show you what I mean. There are four words that help me to understand and I hope help you to understand the presence of the Holy Spirit and what he came to do. The first word is the word brooding. In Genesis 1 and 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There was nothing there. No earth, no land, no sky, but the Spirit of God. In creation past, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. But the Bible says, in the interpretation of this word moved, verse 2, and the Spirit of God moved. The original Hebrew for the word moved means brooded. Hovered over. Brooded over the face of the earth. And out of the Spirit of God, brooding over and hovering over nothing... God created everything. You know, I grew up in the islands and we used to have our own chickens. And we'd raise our own chickens and have our own eggs. And when it got time for Sunday dinner, we'd go address one of those chickens or should say undress one of those chickens. <laughs> and I remember as a boy that when, when, when mother hens were protective of their eggs as there were little chicks to come. She would brood over them. Y'all, y'all with me here? I know I'm not agricultural and I'm from the deep south. I'm really further south than many of you came from. But, but, but the, the, this, this mother hen, out of uh, protection and, and the creative energies that come from her brooding, would guard her, her eggs until they hatched to the chicks. And I know that's pretty crude, and I know maybe there'll be those who have theological problems with that, but I'm just simple, okay? I'm just saying better than a mother hen brooding over eggs to reveal chicks. The Holy Spirit has been brooding over this earth since creation passed. Somebody say amen. And He will brood over your life and over my life and give us more life. Somebody praise the Lord. Oh, help me, Jesus. Oh, I've got to have a little more power here. Let me show you something else. Let me show you another work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Genesis 2 and 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
Somebody say praise the Lord. Now you already know that God created Adam from the dust of the ground, formed him into the image of God. And if God had stopped there, all you'd have had was clay dough and play dough. You just have a dummy that looked like a man whose name was Adam. But in order for Adam to live, God had to breathe in him. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. You see, the Hebrew word for the word breathe is the word ruach. It means the breath of God. Literally, God breathed spirit into Adam and he became a living soul. Somebody say amen. I want to tell you something, church. Sometimes in our walk with God, we can just run out of our own energy and our own power. Sometimes because of the work of the devil and the world and the flesh, we need resurrection power. Sometimes when when we come to church, somebody else is crying and we are not stirred. We wonder what's wrong with us. Sometimes when we come to church, the choir sings it another time and you're wondering why. Because you don't feel God. You go to church and you pray and you read your Bible and you talk and you give but somebody else is getting blessed and you in the same service and you wonder what's wrong but if you'll just say God I can't figure out this moment but because you've been so good to me last week and last year and because you prove yourself I'm going to raise my hands and praise you anyhow I'm going to sing with a choir anyhow I want to rejoice in you anyhow and not long from them the breath of God will breathe the anointing of the Holy Ghost and He'll give you life Oh, hallelujah. Clap your hands, somebody, and praise the Lord. (laughs) Breathing. Breathing. Here's another thought, please. It's what the Holy Spirit has been doing and doing. Birthing. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. You know this account. The angel says to Mary, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he and shall be called, they shall call his name Jesus. Now, you know this, but let me paraphrase. Let me just, I should say, uh, congested into a smaller frame of time. You know that Mary could have been 15, 16 years old, virgin, never known a man, keeping herself to her marriage day, her daddy working on her dowry for the right man in her life. And God interrupts her plans for a better plan. He sends an angel to Mary and he says, It's time for me to send my son, Jesus Christ, into this world, known as the incarnation, God coming in the flesh. And I've chosen you, Mary. You are going to bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. And Mary is old enough to know that conception of a child doesn't take place without the union of a man and woman biologically. And she says between verse 31 and 35, how shall this thing be since I do not know a man? And verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the Oh, help me, Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also this Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Oh, God's not finished with some of you. You may think your marriage is over. You may think your vision is over. You may think your call is over. You may think you're dried up and blown away. And all you're going to do is occupy a pew and watch somebody else worship God. But if you let God birth revival in your soul, if you God let God birth a new vision, a new song, a new fire, God's not finished breathing and birthing and brooding over you. Hallelujah to Jesus. 
Anybody agree? Say praise the Lord. God wants to give you a purpose. Can I get an amen? Your purpose in life is not to get up, have breakfast, go to work, come home and have dinner. And while you, between now and the next day, pay bills. God never raised you up to pay bills, bills, bills all the time. And have your life be burdened with bills. God raised you up with a purpose. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a vessel of God. He wants to birth in you ministry and anointing and power. Clap your hands, somebody. I'm going to tell you something. I may not, 20 years from now, I may not have all the energy I have now. And I may have one tooth in my mouth, but I'm going to praise God. Somebody help me here. Never give up dreaming and believing and trusting. God never gave you a dream for it to go to the grave with you. Birthing. But here's another work of the Holy Spirit. It's called battling. Can I get a witness? Take your scriptures. Turn to Ephesians. Somebody say praise the Lord. Come on, turn. See, I don't have all this stuff on the screen all the time. Because sometimes when I get here early Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit gives me some more stuff. And I ain't got no time to put it on the screen. Plus, you need to bring your Bible to church. I said you need to bring your Bible to church. Write in the Bible. When you go to school, you children, young people, and even some of you adults, when you went to school, your teacher said, don't write in that textbook. Somebody else got to use it. And you wrote it anyhow. Well, this is your textbook, your Bible. Take your pen. Take a highlighter. Write it. And write your name over a verse. And if you use it up, we'll get you another Bible. Or you can go back and get your Bible you left from last month. Hallelujah. Better behave myself while I'm feeling. Listen to me. Satan, if you take notes, write this down. Satan is doing everything he can to stop and hinder the coming of the kingdom of God. And yet the Holy Spirit is lifting up a standard against the evil of these last days. I know in the last days iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. I know in the last days the Bible says... That men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Help me preach here. I know in the last days there'll be a great falling away. I know in the last days that men and women will change their natural affection for man with woman in marriage and woman with man in marriage as the Bible teaches and go to their carnal craving of the flesh. I know those things will happen. But God didn't leave us to those evils without power. He also said, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. And upon your servants and your handmaidens in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. (laughs) So... God's giving you the weapons equal for the battle. Are you in Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. If you're there, say amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Say amen, somebody. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, voodoo, darkness, witchcraft, the occult. Anybody hearing me this morning? Sorcery and all against against principalities of powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There's a battle going on. The devil wants to steal your salvation and destroy your joy and take your kids in the process. There's a battle going on, but you are not left weaponless. Oh, help me somebody. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Some of you look around sometime and think, well, that's for the seasoned, mature believers who've been in the church all their life. No, that's for you, 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 everybody. Put on the whole armor of God. And I'm not preaching on the whole armor of God, but I am preaching on this. Look at verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is the writer of the Bible. (laughs) Somebody going to help me or I'm going to help myself. You know, I I fought in the last service, uh, and some of you preachers can appreciate that sometimes you're up here, and you're just fighting. You're looking for a place to to get going, and the devil just keeping you from it. And I fought in the last service. It wasn't anybody's fault, but I came to this service to tell you, I'm not near about to fight any demons or devil. I'm going to let the Word of God do the work, and the Word of God will always do the work by itself. Let me tell you, part of our problem is, We know about the Word, but we don't know the Word. Yeah. In order to battle Satan and the world and the flesh and the devil, you got to do more than have the Bible on your coffee table. Preach, Pastor. You can have your, you can have every version there is in your bookshelf, coffee table. And if you have your Bible on the coffee table, one of big family Bibles, you probably hide your money in there because you know nobody's going to find it there and they ain't going to read it. I'm preaching. You can decorate your walls in your house with crucifix. You can decorate your walls with pictures. And I'm not against all of having versions of the Bible and crucifix and decorations. And I'm not against all of that in your house and a Bible on the coffee table. But what I am for is hiding the Word of God in your heart that you might not sin against God. When I get loud and sweaty, i got to have a drink of water. You mess with me and I'll be like Jonathan Spiegel and throw all this on you, but... Ziegel, Spiegel, what's his name? Yeah. Might need to change his name. That might be God. What good is this glass of water doing me if all I'm doing is looking at it and sweating like T.D. Jakes? My fault. Got in the flesh. Just a minute. But I did get their attention. What, what good is this water doing? My Lord, the way I feel right now, I just poured on my head. But I like Josh. He's got hair. I'll just pour it on. Good for you. I got to get it in me for it to do me any good. What good is your prescription medication? If you paid for it, insurance covered, you go home and set it in the shelf and say, that's a nice prescription. I have it. What good is the Bible if you got it on your wall and on the table and not in your heart? If you're going to battle the world, the flesh, and the devil, you're going to have to have the word, in you? Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18 on the screen. Pray.
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. As a boy, I used to see my dad pray. And my dad would, he would pray. Probably you couldn't see me if I went down there. I'd, I'd come in and out the room just because of maybe the need to get something out of the room, not to interrupt my dad. And he'd sit down kind of like this. And I don't know if you can see me, but try. And, and he'd sit down with cross legs and he would rock. Rock and rub his hands. He'd rub both his hands. Rock and he'd shake his head. Shake his head. You know? <laughs> I thought to myself, that's my dad. I love him, but I ain't never going to do nothing like that. <laughs> I thought that. But every once in a while, something gets in my shoes beside my feet. Something runs up and down my spine beside sweat. And I say, what? Hallelujah. I know what he was doing. He was, he was being brooded over. He was being breathed upon. And he was interceding. Have you ever run out of your vocabulary and, and didn't know what to tell God that he didn't already know? Have you ever prayed about certain issues up, down, sideways, everywhere? And you're thinking, God, I'm boring you with this. I don't know. And all of a sudden, moaning and groaning. God understands that. And next week I'll talk about the spiritual language of tongues. Sometimes tongues will come forth. Because it's the Holy Spirit praying through you. You won't lose your mind being in the twilight zone if he comes in tongues. He's orderly. But sometimes there's no tongues. Sometimes it's moaning and groaning. You ever been such a heavy burden? You, you cry. Some of the greatest personal touches I've had. Is in the car when I've turned off the talk show and the music. And I'm so heavy and I start crying in my car. You know, the ugliest picture is to see a grown man cry. You ever seen us? I'm not talking about like when we little tears. I'm talking about when we really boo when. <laughs> oh, we got to have our wives then. I got a headache and I laying on the couch. I tell my wife, I said, honey, I know I can get up and go to the kitchen and get some aspirin. I know I can do that, but it sure goes down smoother when it comes from your hand. You don't have permission to use that at your house, okay? Cry. Some of the, some of the best experiences I've had with God, Pastor Jeff, is when I'm alone and moaning and groaning happens. Tears are really a language God understands. When all I can say is, Jesus, Jesus, or shake my head, or rub my hands. Because praying with supplication in the Spirit can drive more demons than rehearsing your pain, and nursing your pain, and cursing your pain. I told you last week, I'm going to tell you now, the devil often is more afraid of your praises than he is your prayers. Battling. I, I got to hasten here. L l let me. I I'm trying to tell you. And I'm going to wrap it up in just a little bit. Listen. You are not in this fight alone. Oh Lord, send the power just now. Put on the whole armor of God. Pray in the Spirit. You know, let me hasten here. When, when I think about the Holy Spirit and who He is. A lot of people have the idea the Holy Spirit is an it. So sometimes we Pentecostals ask other people about the baptism and whether to receive it. Have you received it? He's not an it. Matter of fact, Jesus in his 
speaking of the Holy Spirit, speaks of the Holy Spirit in personal pronouns. The Holy Spirit is a person who has personality and personality characteristics. He is one of the Trinity, triune God. I shared about that last week, so I'm not going there. Jesus never referred to the Holy Spirit as just a resource or a helper or a, an experience. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, chapter 15, 16, those places where Jesus gives a discourse and a teaching on the coming of the Holy Spirit, He always refers to the Holy Spirit as He, when He shall come. And, and I, I show you that, and I know you won't have time to write it all down, but let, let me just highlight. The Spirit of the Lord showed me this this morning, and so I just briefly, I just want you to see it. The Holy Spirit is the He, and, and He can be blasphemed, not an it. The Holy Spirit testifies. Can I get an amen? He can be lied to. The Holy Spirit leads. Say amen. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit commands. It's not an it or an experience. I'm saying this to you, if he's not a it and he's a he, then what he wants you and I to have is a relationship with him. Say amen. He wants a living, daily, breathing, filling and refilling relationship. There is more, but haste. the Holy Spirit guides, appoints, intercedes, grieves or can be grieved, can even be insulted. So, Pastor, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Because I told you at the start of the lesson that if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. If you live according to your own natural cravings, desires, carnal decisions, and worldly wisdom, it'll kill you. You and I need the baptism or the refilling of the Holy Ghost because we still live in flesh. Galatians 5.19 Look on the screen. Now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Listen to me. You cannot be a Christian and sleep with somebody else's spouse and think you're born again. I don't care if you go to another church where they don't mention it. It's the work of the flesh. You cannot be a high school student, a single parent, or a single adult and have sex with somebody out of marriage. It's fornication. You cannot be saved practicing these things. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to resist it. You cannot be a Christian and get on the internet and look at pornography. You cannot suggest to your husband or your wife that you have to have pornography to stimulate your sexual intimacy in your marriage. I know I'm being blunt, but you don't look at me like you hadn't heard some of it. You know what I'm talking about. I have needs, Pastor. I know you have needs, but you have the Holy Ghost if you want Him. But He won't live in that. Lewdness. The nasty speech. The forget. You shouldn't and I shouldn't be listening to those filthy jokes. I don't care if it's the boss or supervisor. Walk out of the break room. Don't laugh at garbage. Your ear is not the garbage bin. Idolatry. I'm not just talking about idols in your home. I'm talking about idols in your heart. Anything that gets more time and attention in your life than God is in danger of becoming an idol. Your job. Your children. 
your education, your ego, your car, your house, your family heritage. Jesus must be Lord of all or he won't be Lord at all. Sorcery. Hatred. Sorcery. 1-900 call Cleo. That's demonic. I told you last week. I just can't help but hit it again because some of you wasn't here last week. and Some of you are here again from last week and you're like me. You're hard of hearing. Horoscopes and Ouija boards and palm reading and seances. That's of the devil. It's demonic. Christians don't practice hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. If you're a born-again Christian, always telling your family, well, I just have a bad temper. It's always been in my family, and I'm just part of the family. And once in a while I get an outburst, so you all just have to love me like I am. No, no, we don't have to love you like you are if you're born again. You need to ask God to sanctify you. You need to ask God to cleanse you. Oh, help me, Jesus. And if you've done somebody wrong by your outburst of anger, the Holy Ghost will convict you and say, go and make it right. And you ought to go and make it right. I've had, I've had to go make things right. I didn't like it. No, no. You know the hardest person to apologize to? My wife. Yeah. But it's the person I need to apologize to the most because that's my helper. And sometimes God will say to me, uh, Alan, you're my son. But you treated your wife like a jerk. You're my jerk son. And she's also my daughter. And I want you to speak healing to her. And when you apologize, don't go telling people, well, if you didn't say so-and-so, I wouldn't have said so-and-so. <laughs> if, you didn't, if you didn't cut off in front of me, I wouldn't have. No, no, just, just apologize. Yeah. You know, you keep practicing that outburst of anger. You get out there in the world where people ain't merciful and the spirit of slap will come on somebody else and they'll knock you into tomorrow and you'll understand this ain't God. I don't know why I'm staying there, but I'll move on. Selfish ambitions. Turn, give me the next slide, please, sir. Here, here's some more works of the flesh. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, Paul says to, to the Christians, through the Holy Spirit telling Paul to write this down and to share it. Just as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot practice these things as Christian and go to heaven. You will not go to heaven. Someone said, Pastor, who rose you up and made you judge? Nobody. The word of God is the judge. Pastor, in this political correct age and this uh, age of uh, easy believism, who gave you the right to say who's going to heaven and who's not? Nobody gave me the right to, to say who's going to heaven and who's not. But the fact of the matter is the one who died in my place and your place, the one who died for my sins and yours, have the right to say who is going or not. And he said, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I said, Pastor, more than anything else, I want to go to heaven. Raise your hand. I'm talking about everybody. More than anything else. Let, let me show you something. So, you need the Holy Ghost to defeat the work of the flesh. You can't do it by yourself, but you need the baptism. You also need the Holy Ghost to manifest the nature of Christ. God wants to empty you so he can fill you. Empty you of world, the flesh, and the devil so he can fill you with the nature of Christ. Look at the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. 
long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these kind of things, there is no law. I saw in the news where some town up north are handing out uh, tickets to young people for keeping the law. And these tickets can be redeemed for cookies and ice cream at certain stores. Anybody saw it? Well, I didn't make it up. Go home and watch TV. Okay. Uh, two of you saw it. Headline news. And if the, if the kids are riding their bicycle with helmets, they'll give them a citation for being good. Now, that's unique, isn't it? Because there's no law against love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, good. I'll pull you over, Mr. Matura, because you were just driving correctly between the lines today. And I just want to let you know I thank you for driving. No. There's no law against this. And so I'm saying to you, in order to live and not die, we need the nature of Christ, which is all of this through the Spirit. Look at this. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit... Let us walk in the Spirit. I know I've gone long, but i got to tell you this. Do you know that I and you are responsible for crucifying the flesh to a large degree? Can somebody say amen by faith? Do you know that I have responsibility that if I see trash coming on on TV, I have the responsibility to crucify that by turning it off? Do you know that I have the responsibility, you have the responsibility, if somebody makes us angry on the highway by cutting us off on the highway, that we have the responsibility to guard ourselves and keep ourselves from waving at them with one finger? Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Do you know that if you're messing with cigarette smoking and you've asked God to help you overcome that so you could quit smoking, that you have the responsibility to quit buying the cigarettes so that God can work through you? Can I get an amen here, somebody? Do you know that you and I have the responsibility, my friends, that if we've harmed somebody or done something wrong in the past and God says, go back and make it right, I have to crucify my pride and I have to go and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Can I get an amen? Do you know if you and I borrowed something from somebody a year ago, it's not our possession that we have now the responsibility to crucify the flesh and take it back to them? Do you and I know that at work we can crucify the flesh? Other people are saying they leave and clock out at five o'clock. But they really leave at 15 to 5 and they're stealing from their boss. You and I have the responsibility to crucify the flesh. Can I get an amen? Do you and I know that we have no right to steal paper clips or post-its or stamps or stationery from our boss just because we give extra hours and he doesn't pay us well? We must crucify our flesh. If you'll do your part, you'll be amazed what God will do. Stand, please. I want the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. Last of the slides. Remember I showed you that this morning. Take me. How do you receive the Spirit? You receive the Holy Spirit by faith like you receive salvation. Say amen. You desire it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. How many know if you have a desire to please God, He's going to help you the rest of the way? I mean, if you got a half a desire, a quarter desire to live right, do right, and please God, He's going to sick it on you. Next one, next one. You see the Holy Spirit by denouncing stuff. First John 2.15, do not love the world or the things of the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You got to say to some people, I ain't hanging with you no more because you're going to hang me. 
this relationship is bad, I denounce it, I'm moving on. I denounce all evil because I want the Spirit. Here's, here's another way you receive the Spirit. You discipline yourself in the Word and worship. In a moment, I'm going to ask you if you want this Spirit to come forward. In the moment when you come, I'm going to ask you to worship God. I'm going to ask you to follow the admonition of Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I'm telling you the fastest way to get the Holy Ghost baptism is to praise God. Don't complain and gripe and question. If that needs to come in examination of your soul later, you come and you praise God. And here's a here's the last thing you may not like, but it's good. You gotta die. You gotta die to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Pastor, I am not winning in this battle of my flesh. And I want to be refilled with the Holy Ghost or baptized in the Holy Ghost. Come from where you are right now. Fill this altar. Come on. One person starts and then everybody else. Come, come, come. I want to be filled, refilled, Pastor. I do not want my flesh and its desires to kill me. I want the Spirit. Come on, come on, come from where you are. Come on. There's more of you going to come. Come in Jesus' name. Ask somebody to come with you if you like. Pastor, I don't care what anybody thinks about me by me moving out today. I'm going to swallow my pride. Christians and others, raise up your hands. Everyone else too that, that, that come. Raise up your hands and ask God to give us freedom to obey Him. Come on, raise up those hands. Keep coming. Come on, I'm, I'm begging you. If I have to beg you, I don't mind. I don't mind begging you for something that's good. In the name of Jesus, husbands, wives, teenagers, keep coming. Please keep coming. I want the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I don't understand everything about it, but if it's for me and God says I should have it, then I want it. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my mind. Oh, hallelujah. They were in an upper chamber. They were all in one accord. When the Holy Ghost descended, as was promised by our Lord, if you know it, Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now and baptize everyone. Just a little bit of a different way. Instead of saying it, we just sang it. Now, listen to me. Everybody, say this prayer after me. Everybody, with hands to heaven, repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, in my own strength, I am losing the battle. But I have learned today that there is greater power beyond my power. Today, Lord, cleanse me. Wash me. Sanctify me and separate me as a vessel of God. I confess, Lord, I have done things and said things and behaved in ways that have grieved you. Forgive me. Live in my heart. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, change me to be a vessel of honor. I present myself today, Lord. 
as a living sacrifice. I want to be holy. I want to be acceptable. And today, by faith, I believe you not only will save me, but you will fill me with your spirit. Thank you that by faith, I'm filled. Amen. Put your hands together and thank God for it. All right, here's what I got to have. I got to have a little help. I am not going to let the devil cause us to leave here dry and dead. I want everybody that has the the baptism and knows that God can use you to encourage somebody to pray, come and stand with these people from all over the church. Everybody that has the baptism or wants to help somebody closer to the Lord, and you know God can help you by just laying hands on them, come. Come, I need some helpers, please. I need some helpers. Would you do it for somebody else's sake? Somebody did it for you. Come on, come on. Leave from where you are. Work your, weave your way in among these people. Help me, Christians. Oh, thank you. Come on, I'm going to give you some time. Lay hands on them and begin to intercede. Now, we're going to change the whole mode of things here. We're going to begin to praise God out loud. In just a moment, everybody and those of you at the altar, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands and praise God by saying, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Worship. In a moment, I want you to worship out loud. If you just have to repeat one word, just repeat hallelujah. 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 If you just want to repeat, thank you, Jesus. Praise Him. Listen to me now. you got to praise Him loud enough to hear yourself. Or else the devil will tell you you're wasting your time. Shout your praises and drown the devil out. Now, everybody, raise your hands all over the church. Everybody begin to praise Him. Now let's say hallelujah to Jesus. Come on. Say it over and over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on. Come on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All over the church.
Some of you have already received it. Please listen to me. You've got to want it so much that you don't just seek it at the altar on Sunday. You've got to go home today and find a quiet place with your Bible and begin to praise Him. Read the Gospels and praise Him. Feed yourself the Word and worship. You've got to get in your car and praise Him. You've got, you, you got to, this all this week, you've got to say, God... Pastor said, if I live, the Bible says, if I live in my flesh and I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to die. But you didn't, Jesus didn't die for me to die and miss out. He died for me to live. Praise Him every day. Read your Bible. Get in a bedroom. Get in a private place. Don't explain it to your family. Just tell them, don't interrupt you. Just, oh, Jesus. Lift your hands again. Lift your hands again. Come on. Let's take one more minute and praise Him out loud, louder and stronger. Oh, Jesus. 